Welcome to the Diabetes Revolution podcast with Dr. Sarah Townley, the type 2 diabetes coach, clinical pharmacist, and mom of seven angels. You don't have to struggle and fight with your blood sugars for the rest of your life. I'm here to teach you the skills you need to control and even reverse this disease. There is such a thing as getting off your meds and creating a future free from diabetes. And you can have it too. Let's get down to business. Oh boy, it's been a while since I released an episode. But know that I've been thinking about you all daily. If you're listening to this after just having found me, lucky you because many of my listeners have had to wait a long time to hear my voice speaking into their ears and their hearts. And I've heard from many of you. So I just want to thank all of you listeners who are diehards and are hanging on waiting for another episode. Thank you. (laughs) So what's the deal, right? Well, the last fall into winter was kind of like falling down the stairs. You're like, oh, boom, bam, you know? (laughs) After Wells had his accident that put us on a you know, life flight plane to Denver Children's from Billings. And FYI, he's had a miraculous full recovery, which we are deeply grateful for. And he just turned seven a couple weeks ago. Yeah, after that happened, I went to retreat, which I told you guys I was going to, right, on the very last episode. And then I ended up flying out a day early from Salt Lake to the East Coast because my mom-in-law passed away from stage four pancreatic cancer. And that rapidly and ruthlessly took her life. And we really didn't see this coming. It was really out of nowhere. So we spent about two weeks driving around West Virginia and Delaware. And then I ended up driving seven kids home 36 hours by myself so that my husband could get home and get to work faster. And that was crazy. And we're still navigating all the change that comes after as my husband's father grapples with, you know, the sudden loss of his future that he was expecting. And we're supporting him as much as we can with getting a new living situation and a location and how to live, how to live alone, you know, and it's been heavy. And on top of that, I started a new business, (laughs) right, because I don't have enough to do. Um, that's centered around bringing the highest quality water into my home and sharing it with the world. So you guys know it has to be pretty awesome for me to prioritize this in my life, right? And I'm excited to share more with you guys soon. But this decision happened right before my retreat, and I'm giving a lot of energy and attention to learning all the technology of Kangen Water and building the foundation of this business And I will do an episode sometime soon explaining, you know, how important high quality water is to our health and how Kangen ionized alkaline water is the best water you can drink on the planet, you know, other than natural uncontaminated spring water, which most of us don't have access to. So I love it that I'm on the same health journey of loving and taking the best care I can of my one human body you know, the same journey as you. And as I discover new ways to optimize my physiology and keep my body in the best physical condition so that I can live a full life, rich with experiences, unrestricted by disease and deconditioning, in a body that is strong, capable, and beautiful, I share those with you because I love every one of you and I want you to have the same. 
Today, I'm going to talk with you about a topic of paramount importance that has been six plus months in the making for me to be able to bring it to you here. This episode is about inspiring you to think about how your muscle mass is the greatest asset you have, other than your brain, to position you to create not just optimal metabolic health, but a long, healthy lifespan. I want you and me to be able to age free of disease with plenty of energy and strength. I want us to remain functional and independent until the day we drop dead, right? I want to go 100 miles an hour until I drop dead one day, or at least have the freedom to choose that. So first, I'm going to help you understand all that your muscle has to offer you. Then I'm going to help you apply this information. It can be a little overwhelming to figure out what to do differently in your day-to-day routines to preserve or build muscle as a primary goal. Because I've been heavily focused on this for the last six months, I feel ready to help you get started with some simple mindset shifts and strategies. It's important to know that if you do nothing to stop it, you're going to have what's called muscle attrition or decline. And that's not just the mass, that's your strength. It's a natural part of the aging process, and it starts way earlier than you would expect. I'm going to share with you something I read in a book called Next Level by Stacey Sims. In there, she says you can expect to lose up to 8% for every decade after your 13th birthday, and that accelerates after age 60. So by the time you're 55, you might be 20% weaker. And for women, we lose a main driver of muscle mass and strength when estrogen level falls after menopause. This is a big reason why we can see the body fat suddenly pile on with no obvious changes in diet or activity. Muscle mass is expensive to maintain because it burns so much energy at rest. So when you have more muscle mass, you're going to be burning more energy, which means your metabolic rate is going to go up. For people with diabetes, this is such a huge advantage because your muscle mass is your biggest glucose sink, right, where you dispose of glucose. That means more muscle mass is churning through your blood glucose as you sleep, as you sit doing nothing, right? And on top of that, with more muscle, you burn more fat while you exercise too, At the cellular level, training or exercising causes the cell to move more glucose transporters, they're called GLUT4 glucose transporters, to the cell surface. That means you rely less on insulin to get glucose into the cell and bypass, in a way, your insulin resistance. It's kind of like this cool loophole. More muscle mass acquired through training increases your stability and, of course, your mobility, And that protects you from injury and preserves your functionality and your independence. None of us want to become weak and frail, right? None of us want to lose our ability to carry out activities of daily living and then lose our independence. No, thank you. That means we have to avoid injury like that sustain and falls. And we have to be able to get up from the floor unassisted, right? We, We actually, none of us can probably sit here and Think about the possibility of that, but that's what happens when you let nature take its course and you do nothing to stop it. (laughs) 
Which leads me to the next point about bone health. Osteoporosis is a disease of disuse. Okay, that means when we don't use our skeleton, it sort of wastes away, just like muscle would. And women are especially vulnerable because of the decline in estrogen after menopause. And women can see like a 20% loss in bone density within the first five to seven years post-menopause. Regular weight-bearing exercise, aka lifting or running, is a critical component of maintaining a strong skeletal system. Your muscle mass is directly tied to your cognitive function. Okay, that's your brain health. Exercise not only preserves neuronal health, but it stimulates the growth of new brain cells. When we exercise, we release growth hormone and we actually stimulate the production of new brain cells. That's incredible. And many of us recognize how important it is to be proactive in keeping our minds sharp and quick as we age. Your muscle mass is only going to help you do that. Your immunity improves when you have more muscle mass because exercise stimulates the production of cytokines that increase the number of circulating immune cells. Moderate intensity exercise has been shown to reduce inflammation. Having a healthy and robust lean muscle mass is anti-aging. Higher metabolism translates to improving the delivery of oxygen and nutrients to the skin cells, the removal of waste, the increase in cellular repair and collagen production, and all of this leads to youthful-looking skin. And then last but possibly most compelling would be that having more muscle mass increases your lifespan. People with low muscle mass are at double the risk of death. And when combined with metabolic syndrome, it's more than tripling the rise of all-cause mortality to have a low muscle mass. Sold yet? Okay, let's talk about what stimulates muscle growth. So there's two things. First, there's exercise, specifically resistance training. Training or any kind of exercise really increases the energy demand on the body. That's going to stimulate your body to adapt. Remember, we have the most adaptive machine ever known, a human body. Training demands that the body gets stronger. We have to become more efficient at supplying oxygen and nutrients to the cells so that it can produce the force and the endurance required. We have to become more efficient at generating energy to fuel the force and duration required. That means your entire system becomes more efficient. You burn more energy, aka glucose and fat. And if you're consistent, your body adapts by becoming stronger. You build more muscle, which is rich in the energy factories called mitochondria. And the number and efficiency of your mitochondria dramatically multiplies when you demand more energy through training. Plus, having more muscle fibers means more mitochondria, burning energy at rest while you're sleeping, and that's using up glucose and burning fat. The second thing that stimulates muscle growth is adequate nutrition. In order to build muscle, you're going to need to supply the building blocks, right? You can't build a house without the wood or the bricks. Same thing with building your body. 
What do you need to know about nutrition? Remember, nutrients equal protein, fiber, and micronutrients like minerals and vitamins. First and most importantly, you need to eat enough protein. And we're looking for high quality protein that your body can break down and absorb. And by far, animal proteins are going to be more bioavailable than plant proteins. We're talking about animal meats, dairy, eggs, seafood, fish, right? Shellfish. This is a huge problem with the keto diet or the plant-based whole food, no oil diet, or really most diet plans out there. They're not emphasizing protein and focusing way too much on the energy source. Remember, energy sources are carbohydrates and fat. I know when I look at my macronutrient proportions, eating low carb in the past with the intermittent fasting, I was way under eating protein probably to the same extent as a standard American diet. Like less than 15% of my total calories were coming from protein because I would way rather eat the fat. (laughs) You know, I'm more likely to make a low-carb pizza with veggies on it and skip the protein. Maybe you're like me in that way. The average Paleolithic human, right, the ones that lived on the earth in our natural habitat, they ate a diet that had around 30% of total calories from protein or more. When we increase protein proportion in our diet, a really interesting thing happens. We get full and we stay full longer. This is a high satiety way of eating. We consequently eat less forms of energy, carbs and fat, when we eat more protein, and that is a huge advantage because most of us here on this podcast want to liberate and burn off stored energy. So what this means is that every meal you eat becomes an opportunity to get plenty of protein. An easy goal is to shoot for about a gram of protein per pound of ideal body weight. So a simplified way to calculate this, and I think you can do this in your head right now, is just to take every inch you are in your height over five feet, multiply that by five, and add that to 100 for women or 110 for men. This is not a perfect formula, but it's a good place to start. So for me, I'm 5'9", so I'm going to take nine inches, right, over five feet, and multiply that by five to get 45, and then add it to 100 because I'm a woman. So that equals 145 grams of protein. And by the way, I like my body weight around 155 pounds normally, but as I build muscle, that's now 158. And get this, I'm smaller. I'm heavier, but I'm smaller. I just think that's super interesting. So every meal is an opportunity to get protein. Animal proteins are ideal because they're better absorbed, and 145 grams is a lot of protein. I was probably only eating around 60, 80 at the most grams of protein on my eating days earlier last year. I'm leaning into a lot of 2% Greek yogurt and cottage cheese, chicken, tuna, beef, shrimp, eggs, pork, you know, with every single meal. 
I do protein shakes as well if whole food isn't readily available, just to get me to my goal. The second focus at mealtime is going to be getting in whole food plants for their fiber and micronutrients, you know, vitamins and minerals. I have veggies and berries often and sometimes fruit, but I'm still eating lower carb, about less than 100 grams a day at the most. And eating vegetables and fruits are going to feed your healthy gut microbiome, and that is a major benefit to your overall health. So if all you did was focus on getting enough protein, this would get you noticeable results. You know, in the keto world, there's a myth or a fear that eating too much protein causes you to store fat, and that's just really not true. Protein actually costs your body energy to digest and absorb. About 30% of the calories you're getting are going to be burned in the process of breaking it down and absorbing it. And it's really metabolically expensive to turn protein into sugar and then make body fat with it. And the only condition it might happen is if you're eating mostly protein and very little fat or carbs, right? Think of like hunter-gatherers when they didn't have anything but what they hunted. That really isn't happening in a modern food environment. If your blood sugar is rising with a large protein intake, it isn't because you're turning protein into glucose. There's another cause, and I wouldn't avoid protein for this reason. Okay, so where to start? I want to emphasize something very important right now. I've thought about offering muscle building as a primary strategy with my one-on-one clients, and I've come to see that this is not what I want to teach. Why? Because when people start coaching with me, they're sick. Their blood sugars are abnormally elevated. They're usually on several medications, and their bodies are inflamed. The priority here is going to be to heal first, to bring those blood sugars down, those insulin levels down, liberate the body fat, especially the visceral body fat that's in the liver, the pancreas, and also in the skeletal muscle, and to cool down the inflammation. Anyway, an inflamed cell isn't going to be able to take up and build with nutrients as well. So what we want to do to start is to bring the body into a catabolic state where it's breaking down stored energy. Muscle building is an anabolic state. This is a condition where we're taking building blocks and building more and building bigger. And it's very different from a catabolic state. So if you're still managing high blood sugar levels and desiring to lose a significant amount of body weight, you really wanna focus on the dietary strategies I teach that stop spiking your blood sugar, get your insulin levels to come down and stay down, and burn stored energy. That means eliminating or limiting refined carbs like flour and sugar, and maybe even complex carbs like fruit and potatoes and rice, if it's spiking your sugar, right? That means nixing the snacking and increasing the time you spend in a fasted state, and that means eliminating overeating. Once you heal from your insulin resistance, then you're going to shift your priority to muscle building. That's when it makes sense. Then you can stop fasting so much and you can eat more often and up the resistance training in a major way. Now, if you're still in phase one of healing insulin resistance, I still think you can make some critical and strategic changes to your lifestyle 
to make progress in the direction of building up or at least preserving your lean body mass. Here are the best ones. Number one, up the protein without upping the fat. That means getting in leaner protein sources like fish, chicken, seafood, low-fat dairy, whey protein shakes every time you eat and get as close to your goal as possible based on the calculation we did a few minutes ago. If you are fasting, like doing OMADs, you know, one meal a day or even longer, this is even more critical to prioritize. Try to get at least 50 grams of protein at mealtime, if not more. Number two, bring in resistance training or choose this over cardio where you can. That means either using weights or your own body weight to create resistance to push or pull against. Planks, squats, lunges, sit-ups, push-ups, plyometrics, lifting, or even using bands, anything that increases load and tension on the muscle. Both weight and time under tension stimulates muscle growth. Slow is good because it increases the time under tension. Start simple with what you have available. And of course, if you need to seek approval from your doctor or your physical therapist, please do that, especially if you have injuries or any kind of physical limitation. I do love walking because low-intensity exercise burns fat as the primary fuel, and it's good at bringing your blood sugars down, especially when it's high, like after a meal or with Dawn Effect. Plus, we usually don't resist walking as much as like a hard workout. But remember, walking probably won't stimulate muscle growth. Really, both resistance and walking would be awesome. Okay, and then the last one, number three, add in creatine. Now, I rarely recommend supplements on my podcast, but this one is cheap, it's widely available, and of real established benefit to almost everyone. Creatine. It's not just for athletes and bodybuilders. It's safe and clearly helps muscle cells produce more energy, as well as increase muscle cell number and size. There is also data to demonstrate that creatine reduces the symptoms and progression of several neurological diseases like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, ischemic stroke. And interestingly, it seems to improve the function of that GLUT4 transporter, that glucose transporter, so that glucose can enter the cell easier, which translates to better blood sugar levels after meals. I use one teaspoon or five grams daily sprinkled over Greek yogurt. I just had tuna salad for lunch, sprinkled it on that. I put it in my shakes or wherever it just makes sense to get it in. I'm trying to get in one dose every single day. Okay, so I hope that you're seeing the powerful implications to your long-term health of maintaining and building your muscle mass. For me, I can now appreciate that this has been a missing component for my lifestyle, even though I exercise regularly my whole life. And I think it is a big reason why I have observed it's been more and more challenging to keep my body composition optimal as time has passed and as we've had more and more babies come into our family. 
I really see that I've lost muscle mass slowly over the last two decades through, you know, the natural progression of aging, periods of no exercise due to childbearing, and through extended and regular fasting. When we know better, we do better. And it's my passion to share as much as I know with all of you so that you can empower yourself to create an optimal state of health and well-being. As we get into this new year, 2024, I want to remind you that every day, every year is an opportunity for you to make a powerful decision that can change the trajectory of your life. If you are determined not to recreate this year, what you've created in the past, I congratulate you and extend an invitation to you to coach with me. You will get there faster and with so much less overwhelm and frustration with some expert help, and that's me. You can reach out to me through my website, www.saratownley.com. I'm calling in my soulmate clients who want to change their lives this year, and if that's you, you will feel it inside as I'm speaking to you. Take amazing care of yourself so that you can be your best version of you in the world. And I'll see you on the next episode. Okay, don't leave yet. You're gonna wanna hear about this. If you love my podcast, if I'm the only sane voice you've found on this subject, if I've already helped you, you need to check out my online course. It's a start to finish step-by-step video course that teaches you all the tools you need to know to beat this disease. You can find it on my website, sarahtownley.com, along with lots of other free tools that will make taking care of your diabetes so much easier. So get over there right now. See you there.